And I'm sorry, I have been kind of unresponsive. It's been a busy day. <laughs> so. I'm not busy whatsoever. I'm just glad that we were able to make a time work for this. Um, sure, me too. So this is for my digital engagement class that I'm taking right now at Johns Hopkins. And basically I'd have to interview a digital professional um, and just, I have some questions for you about what you do, what kind of advice you can give and stuff like that about like digital programming and like the future of it. So, Great, so. happy to help. All right, so uh, first just tell me about yourself. Like who is Melanie? Like what do you <laughs> do? Um, what's your background? All that kind of stuff. Sure, absolutely. Um, is this the, is this the Johns Hopkins the Museum program? Yes, this Johns, is. Okay, great. I took a class, a couple online classes when I was doing okay. my um, master's there. So they did, I don't know that they had this one at the time. It's been a little while. Um, but yes, I'm Melanie Boyer and my current title at Monticello is the manager of digital media and strategy, which is a, a little bit new. We had um, a reorg this year and created kind of a digital department, which is something we hadn't had previously at Monticello. Uh, prior to that, I had been the manager of digital learning and I had had that position since 2013, although I've actually worked at Monticello for 20 years in different, oh, wow. um, yeah, in different, different capacities. So um, I did my undergrad at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, majored in psychology and history, although it was medieval history, not American history, which is what I do now. Um, and then I got my master's at UVA at the um, Curry School in Instructional Technology. And um, I did that, completed that in 2012, and then started the job as the manager of digital learning. And in that position at Monticello, in addition to uh, being one of a team of managers that helps to um, manage the guide staff, which is kind of large at Monticello, it was pre-COVID, I also was in charge of our electronic field trip program. And I actually started that program in 2017. And um, it's reached over 20,000 teachers and students, wow. you know, in the last couple of years. And um, I also started our live virtual tour program when COVID hit last year. Um, mm -hmm. We kind of, kind of been thinking about launching that, but that's more of like a, a live experience using an iPad and iPhone, just doing an actual tour through the house. Mm -hmm. um, I also work on our live streams for the public, which we um, put out on um, Facebook and YouTube and other digital programming. So do do a lot, a lot of different things at, at Monticello. And, and our organization is a little bigger than, than a lot of other ones. I don't know how much you, you know about it. I mean, yeah, I've been, I've been, I went to Monticello back, like, I think I was like 14 or 15 and I'm 22 now. So it's been a long time, but I have been there. I've been to the grounds before. So yeah, yeah. And we've done a lot recently to try to, um, you know, reveal more of the stories of the people that lived at Monticello and not just Thomas Jefferson. So mm -hmm. it's one of our things to bring history forward, talking a lot about the enslaved community that lived there and worked and built Monticello. And um, so that's also a part of what we do with our school programming as well. And um, before pre-COVID, we saw about 400,000 visitors a year, about wow. 60,000 of those were school kids or, you know, teachers and school groups. So that was a really large part, you know, everything changed with COVID, um, but um, we're hoping that we'll be able to get a lot more on site soon. So. Awesome. Yeah. You mentioned a lot of stuff that I want to ask about today, like parents right. and kids and like school groups and like your digital programs and stuff like that. So I'm glad you mentioned all that. And then I was going to ask what's your educational background, because I did see it was in um, history, psychology and um, technology and that kind of stuff. But you kind of mm -hmm. 
already answered that question. Yeah. So, um, and you said that you've been at Monticello for 20 years. Um, was there anything you did before that that related to this field or have you just been kind of going there since school? I just kind of been going there. I kind of fell into museums. Um, I, um, after I graduated college, I um, moved here to Charlottesville, but was working in insurance at State Farm, um, <laughs> which I hated. So I, um, when a job opened up at Monticello um, in 2001, it was a help desk position, which is not, I, I didn't really start out in technology, but I'm like, this sounds like fun. And I took the job. And so I kind of fell into museums from there. I worked in IT. I worked in development a little bit. I worked in the president's office. So I've gotten to see a lot of like behind the scenes of how a museum runs, which is really cool. Um, but then I went back to school in 2009 to get that master's of education, mm-hmm. thinking about using digital instruction and in museums was kind of what I focused on. So you say you like fell into museums. Like what was your original goal with your uh, history and psychology degree? You know, I don't even think I really had one. I mean, it was just, I was all over the place, undergrad. I mean, I majored in psychology, ancient medieval history. I had a minor in Italian. Um, So I did a semester abroad. I just kind of, I don't know. I never really had a great plan. I wish I could tell you that I was like on the plan to do museum studies. But back when I graduated, I mean, I'm kind of old. So I graduated college in 97. There wasn't a lot like as far as there were museum studies programs, but not like it is now. You know, I mean, now it's like a whole field of stuff. And I didn't even really like think that museums would be a job. I don't know. I I never really- I completely completely agree with you with that. My (laughs) undergrad was in archeology span and anthropology. And Mm -hmm. I thought that I want to eventually go on and get like my PhD in archeology. span And then I went on a dig I hated it. <laughs> Absolutely hated it. I don't like dirt. I don't like any of that kind of stuff. So, and then I ended up finding the Johns Hopkins program. I was like, oh, this is all online. This is great. And now I love it. So like I, hearing that you like had this, like you got a degree in something you liked, but you weren't, didn't really have a plan for it. Almost makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah, that's, <laughs> so. that's what happened. I mean, sometimes I kind of lucked into things, but it was, you know, it was the same way for me. And, and I realized, oh, Hey, maybe I'll do educate. You know, I really kind of like what I'm falling into now. And, and, mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, that's kind of how it happened. I wish I had a better origin story, but no, honestly, I, I like that a lot better because <laughs> other people are like, I did this, 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 and this, and I followed my plan exactly. I yeah, I'm more of a go with the flow, and that's I'm actually thinking about doing education once I'm out of Johns Hopkins. That's what I would like to do. Not sure if I want to do like mm-hmm. digital education or in person or probably a hybrid, assuming because I yeah, I'm hoping COVID's not a thing whenever I graduate in 2022, but we'll have to see. <laughs> Yeah, and that left it, the reason I went specifically with an education degree versus a museum studies for my master's was that reason. You can use it, you know, more um, in, in different ways, and you can have several different avenues, you know, because I wasn't even sure I was going to stay in the museum field. Um, they basically kind of made a job for me after I graduated to do this digital education stuff, but yeah, I think I think that's smart. I mean, just, you know, kind of leave, leave a few options open and mm-hmm. where you go. Yeah, well, that's really cool. That makes me feel a little bit better because whenever, like, because like I graduated class of 2020, so and whenever the pandemic hit, I was like, what do I do with my life? And then, so yeah, museums have kind of been like a nice little safety net. So, and I do enjoy all the people that I've met and stuff. Um, so I know you kind of ta- talked a little bit about like what exactly you do at the Thomas Jefferson Foundation and Monticello. Um, what are like your main job responsibilities there? Um, it's, it's changed from last year. I don't know which you would rather have. Um, 
my main job now now is a lot more marketing um, and doing digital media and stuff that's public facing rather than student and teacher related. Mm -hmm. But um, what I really enjoyed doing in my position as the manager of digital learning was this kind of direct interaction with teachers and students and um, and using the digital as a tool, not, I mean, that's the whole thing about digital. Like, it's just a tool. Like anything else, it's just a tool. Some people get really distracted by kind of the shininess of, oh, digital this and live virtual this, but maybe not so much now since COVID hit, but um, using that tool to take our interpretation that we do at Monticello and make that available to people who could never come to Monticello. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing I really enjoyed about it was um, we had a team of guides. We started out with just me and a laptop. Literally, that's how I started the program, the electronic field trip program, using Skype in the classroom, which was a now defunct free service for teachers, almost like a clearinghouse where teachers could sign up. And um, I've always personally believe too that our program should be free for schools for educators mm -hmm. and luckily we've been able to secure grant funding to make that possible because that's another thing in the museum field is money yeah, um yeah, we had <laughs> yeah we had i had to i had to kind of hustle a little bit to write those uh grant proposals and get that to get money to kind of get this started but um once we did that it was a matter of like training our guides we were lucky because our guides already the programs we were going to deliver online about Jefferson and Monticello or slavery at Monticello were programs that our guides already did. So mm -hmm. it was a matter of just kind of shifting the whole training from a face-to-face -face in person to how you would deliver this online to a digital audience. And so I really enjoy kind of creating that program from the ground up. Mm -hmm. And um, and now it runs without me, which is kind of the whole goal, I guess. You know, once you kind of create a program, you set it off into the world and buy a little baby program, go. Um, and that's what it did. Same with the live virtual tours. That was something we thought about doing, but then when we saw COVID looming, we quickly, in the matter of a week, kind of put it together. We got, we got a harness, we got an iPad, we, like, how are we gonna make this work? And the first day we were closed to COVID, we were able to launch our live virtual tours, which um, was a great way to still interact with people when we had to be shut down. So, um, you know, that was, I was really proud of that too. We were, we were kind of one of the first to do that. I know some other places were doing that too, but at least in Virginia, we were one of the few places to really kind of get that up and running super fast. So I was really proud of that. That's something that um, I really enjoyed doing. I also worked, one thing I didn't mention is uh, teacher programs that we do on site, like teacher professional development. We have a Monticello Teacher Institute that pre-COVID would happen for two weeks in July and we'd bring about 30 teachers, about like 15 to 17 in each session. So 30 to 32 or so teachers a year um, for a week-long program that would, you know, field trips, scholars, research time, um, with the hope that they would produce some sort of lesson plan or product that we could use on our Monticello digital classroom, which is our website for teachers that I also used to manage. So that was a lot of like what I did, you know, okay. in, in my prior. I was going to say, you've answered like a bunch of my questions, which is, I guess it's kind of nice. Right. Um, so from what it seems like the live tours was kind of something like my question was that um, was that something you did before COVID, but it sounds like it was more of a, you thought about doing it, it may be a good idea, mm -hmm. but then once COVID hit, it was like, okay, we need to do this. It wasn't like, you didn't, you didn't really have anything like that before, I assume. We had piloted, um, we had piloted the program, like we had, 
we were lucky because we already had a little bit of it in place. So we offer a tour called Slavery at Monticello, which focuses on the enslaved people that lived and worked there. And um, we had piloted doing an iPad tour with a couple of classrooms mm -hmm. um, the fall before COVID. So we just tested it out to see if it would work. We found out, first of all, we needed better internet. Like our Wi-Fi wasn't good enough to kind of carry it. So you just have basic like things you have to think about on the tech side. Um, but we also knew we'd also we'd have to train people to deliver to a virtual medium because it's very different for guys that are used to feeding off that in-person um, tour group. Yeah, so yeah. Um, we had piloted that. And so when COVID came, we're like, okay, how can we fast track this? So we did have a little bit of an advantage. It wasn't just us totally pulling it out of thin air, but we had never done a tour inside the house um, as a live virtual tour until we did this. So we had just piloted some outside tours. Okay. And um, I was looking, those are, they, those do cost money, correct? Or are those free? They do, um, except um, like for, for school groups, we usually just charge like a $20 fee per classroom, no matter how many kids you have. Um, we also, like I said, for educators, like if, if you're a title one school or if you really need, can't afford it, you know, we've comped them before too. Okay. So um, it's for the general public who wants to take one of these live virtual tours is $10 a connection. Okay. Yeah. I did see that. So I was like, I was just, um, curious because mm -hmm. I know I've seen a lot of places where a lot they've had a lot of live streams and stuff that are free so mm -hmm. it's kind of like oh they're actually charging for that because I think that's a great way to bring in revenue because I'm not I'm since it's been there so long since I've been there I'm not sure how much a tour would be in person anymore how much is that yeah it's 30 it's just not 33 dollars for an yeah, adult I was gonna say honestly that's kind mm -hmm. of a steal especially if like you can't come because you're immunocompromised or because the mm -hmm. area that you're in like that's honestly not that bad <laughs> Yeah. And you can, per connection means you can have your whole family watching, you know, it's just like, that's, it's that one connection from home. And um, what's interesting though, and I don't know if you were going to ask about this or not, we saw a huge up, uptake, uptake, uptick, whatever the word is. People <laughs> did it a lot during COVID, but they're not selling now. So we're actually like in the process of kind of re- um, rethinking how many of them we want to offer to the public, mm -hmm. but for school groups, they are still extremely popular. Mm -hmm. um, the live virtual tours, because we used to have a lot of kids coming from across the country, especially like after Virginia, the two states that sent the most students were California and Texas. Wow. Um, yeah, so in California, in eighth grade is when they hit this U.S. history curriculum, and a lot of them will take kind of an East Coast tour. Mm -hmm. And so kids will come and they'll do Washington, D.C., and then they'll come for a day trip to Monticello, kind of the same with Texas. And so they're not traveling, Yeah, you yeah. know, and they still aren't traveling this year and they may not even be through next year. So um, we are seeing a lot more uptick in our, our student and school groups doing these live virtual tours, whereas the public has gone way down because I think people were just tired of sitting in front of their computer, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, they kind of like, answer some of my questions because so I'm doing a project right now where I'm trying to create a program that's going to help lessen like the maybe anxieties or just like um like apprehension of, of doing online learning because I know I've talked to a, I've interviewed a lot of families and a lot of family friends whose kids have been doing nothing but online learning and they're just sick of it mm -hmm. so I'm trying to figure out like trying to find a way for them to get excited to do learning again even if it's going to be online um, yeah. so my question was going to be like, oh, do you have anything that's tailored specifically towards kids? But I feel like your content can be really for anybody. So it can be, and it's flexible. And our staff, 
is um, our, our interpretive staff, the guys that deliver the programs are cross-trained um, in a lot of different programs. Not only that, we have a very robust training system here for our guides or, you know, and, and they take training on um, not just the content, but how to interpret, how to interpret to families, how to interpret to school groups, you know, some of these tricks. We even have a whole program that we did and we did it virtually this year with um, Albemarle County, which is the local school system here, Albemarle County Public Schools, and then Richmond. Richmond is, um, I don't know where you're located, but- um, um, Lancaster, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Okay, so Richmond, the capital of Virginia is about an hour um, mm -hmm. away from us. And it used to be that every Richmond city fourth grader would come on a scholarship, on a grant to Monticello to visit in person. Well, they couldn't do it this year. Hmm. So we tailored a whole program just to both the local Albemarle County students and the Richmond students. And one thing they were really interested in was making it more interactive and not just passive, you know, learning. Or, and so what all we did and our, our team did was come up with kind of like an I spy challenge, you know, for the students. And so they sent in advance to the teachers, like some pictures of some things that they would see throughout the tour and ask the kids to kind of be looking out for them. Mm -hmm. That was one way that they thought they could be engaged. Um, we also on our tours really encourage interactivity when possible. We ask them to put questions in the chat box. We always have two people running a tour. So it's one person's running the camera and then there's a guide. And so the person running the camera can feed the questions to the guide as they come in. Mm -hmm. And also a lot of times if the group is not ginormous, we'll just tell them they can unmute and ask questions at specific points throughout the tour. Mm -hmm. So that's something we wanted to make it more interactive instead of just like a passive listening lecture, you know, lecture to the yeah. kids. And um, one other thing we did too was take some props and some of the guides would take like a haversack with them and have props like, um, like a nail, um, you know, a nail rod that could talk to the enslaved boys that did work in the nailery making nails or, you know, just different props that we would use in some of our on-site programs too. Okay. So that might just be of interest to you if you're thinking about ways to kind of be more engaging. <laughs> yeah, that, that actually is really cool. I mean, the one thing I saw is just a lot of people saying they just want to be feel more engaged. They want to feel like they're being cared about because a lot of yeah. teachers nowadays are just, they're burnout. We're all burnout. I mean, I'm burnout. I'm not even a teacher. I'm just a student. Um, but yeah, that's actually really cool. My proposal right now is kind of a choose your own adventure. Um, where you have like two descriptions of two exhibits or two objects or something and you don't know what exactly it's going to be and you have to choose and then you can go and like read up about it or do an activity with it and then if you scroll down to the bottom of the page there's another thing and you just keep going until you do everything or until you want to stop so that was my cool. proposal that I'm I'm doing right now it's still in the works and obviously it's not going to be a, a real life thing maybe yeah. hopefully in the future I could propose something like that I actually applied for an internship at uh, the Chrysler Museum of Art in Norfolk. So yeah. I'm really hoping I get that because it looks like a really cool opportunity. Yeah, I've never been there, but I know a couple people who work there. Yeah, that, I think that'd be really cool. So yeah. yeah, I have family in Norfolk. So they, they're they like, oh, we'll let you stay here. We'll feed you. We'll like let you live here and stuff for the summer. <laughs> um, I haven't been there, but I've been to the glass blowing area and I've done glass blowing there. And that's really cool. If you ever get a chance, you definitely have to check that out. So it's well, cool. yeah. Um, you answered a lot of my questions. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not, this I'm conversation. Not I've held I've held interviews before where everything has just been very like next question, next question. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um what do you think personally, like what the 
best like new form of digital digital engagement that's come out of the pandemic something you haven't seen before something that you've wanted to do that had that only came about during the pandemic that's a good question and um i think it's difficult like i mean we've had so much we're thinking about this here at monticello right now like how we even do and deliver virtual events and digital programs because we had been using zoom or we've been using you know live stream Streamyard on facebook and and everybody's like interactivity you know engagement they're kind of like the buzzwords that you use but there's really only so much you can do digitally um i think our live virtual tours have been a real what people what people want and i think this is like you said they want to feel like they're there. They want to feel like they're connected to people. They want to feel like they are in an experience. Because when you take a tour in person at Monticello in the old model, it's 25 people, you're experiencing everything in real life around you. Mm -hmm. And digitally, one thing we find, and this is something that I talk about training for guides, is there's just, there's no sense of space like in your digital experience many times. We'll walk into a room and if you walked into it and looked around as a visitor, you'd say, oh, this room is this big in my mind and this, but when you're looking at it through like almost just this little, you know, one direction, it's just really difficult to do that. And I haven't really seen somewhere that's done a, a great job of like replicating the experience digitally. I just think it's almost impossible um, in yeah, some yeah. ways. I think that the virtual tours and the interactivity that we do is about the closest we've been able to get. And I haven't really been a part of lectures or online experiences otherwise that have really gotten to something more. I don't know, you know? I mean, I've even seen like the people with the, um, <laughs> the we call them the robot guides, but you know, you have like the little, they are like robots. Like it's like a monitor on a little, yeah, I, mean, I was gonna say I was looking at your website and I saw the pictures and stuff and that looks it looks really cool it's really neat yeah I mean it's it's really like for what for where we are now now I know that there are other places that have probably bigger budgets and more people um, that can do more you know digitally but I'm not really sure because this is something we think about a lot even thinking about AR or something like that um, mm -hmm. could be a, a, a way that but I haven't seen anybody do that at a mass produced level that's really that much better than what we've seen. Yeah, the only thing that I saw that was really, really like cool and stuff is I love Animal Crossing. It's one of my favorite games. Oh, I do too, oh girl, yes. <laughs> my um, professor for this class actually, her institution, which was the Monterey Bay Aquarium, did live streams where they went through the aquarium at in Animal Crossing and when talked about each of the animals or each no, of the fish that were in there. I was like, that is such a neat idea. And that was like during like the very, very beginning of the pandemic. So I didn't yes. I didn't even know they did that, but she um, attached articles about it whenever I started the class. And I was like, that is so cool. That is um, so cool. And that's like, almost like the, you know, the augmented reality or like bringing the virtual. I think that's awesome. Mm -hmm. are they, are they, they're not the ones that had the penguins that followed with the cameras. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Was yeah, that a new It was it was them. It was them. The, okay, yeah, so they're so. fantastic. They're really like leading the pack, I have to say. <laughs> like as far as doing a lot of the digital stuff, they're really leading the game. Yeah, I was going to say, all, she attached a bunch of articles at the beginning of the class and I saw that was one of them. And the other one was the penguin and like, they've just been doing a lot. And there's one um, kid in my class who's really strongly trying to push 
the AR thing, like augmented reality, um, using video games or popular media in order to like be more engaging with di- which digital with eh, with digital media. And I just mm-hmm. I think that's just such a cool innovation that I've seen a mm-hmm. lot of places doing. So yeah, and I wish we could move. One thing about Manichala that's a little bit interesting is we are quite conservative in some ways in what we present. And we do have different challenges. I have to acknowledge, we are a slave plantation. Do you know what I mean? We have some pretty hard history to talk about and you can't get around that. So we don't have a lot of opportunity to play as much as other places might have like the aquarium or um, because we have such a heavy topic, you know and you have to be respectful of that. So, but, I do think things like that are really kind of the future and gamifying. I mean, I've seen people do a little bit of that well, but I've just not seen anything that's been like rolled out in a big way. Do you know what I mean? There's kind of one-off things, but I'm really interested in continuing to follow it and see, see where we go. Mm-hmm. So, um, And then kind of a follow-up question. Do you think there are any like digital engagement forms that are just ineffective or overused or just, you really don't think that they're, Oh my God, they do Zoom. much impact. Oh my God, Zoom lectures. Ah. Zoom lectures, um, I agree. <laughs> but you know what? I mean, it, it works. You know, I mean, it works for doing what you do. But I think the problem that you fall into, and this tends to be an academic one, especially, I see this a lot, um, is just this pure talking head lecture. It, it's just you know, people just zone out. And especially, I think it's so funny how our organization is always like, we got, it used to be, we got to reach the millennials. And then they, and then we're like, they're older with kids now, people, we got to reach the Gen Z, you know, it's always <laughs> chasing this elusive young generation. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I think, I think that is ineffective as far as like, engaging and making people want to come back something like this, just pure academic lecture style via zoom it's the same as if you'd be sitting at a lecture in person you're just like "Mm." yeah I completely agree with you like I've seen some cool ones come out like um, I know the Penn Museum up in Philadelphia they did zoom lectures but they but you got an activity to do while you were doing it I think some of them were like painting with like natural elements or like I forget what some of them were they were really cool though so like I feel like just plain old Zoom lectures, just talking about stuff are ineffective, but if you give something for like the people to do during it, then that's where you get that digital engagement piece that you're missing. I agree. And we've done a few events like that at Monticello as part of like our Heritage Harvest Festival, which used to be a really big like on-site event. Mm -hmm. Um, We've been doing things like uh, we did one the first we, we do wreath workshops where people, they would get their, you could either order a prepackaged like wreath set of supplies and have it delivered to you and then do like a zoom you know tutorial kind of thing so like mm-hmm. you would actually participate with it we did one where we have a new chef who made a french brasserie dinner fancy Ooh. thing and yeah and you could he you sent the ingredient list in advance and you could kind of cook along with him and we're doing one on the 10th which is floral arranging so you know you can you, it's one of these this famous florist guy that's going to be doing things. And I think those are proving to be popular. I agree with you. I think things like that, where you actually get to do an activity along with mm-hmm. is a good model um, going and forward think, and with yeah. schools too. We, you know, we have like, like the I spy, something you way that you are actively participating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like those examples that you give me, I feel like they don't always have to relate to something in the museum. Like I'm not exactly sure what like 
wreath making maybe I don't know if Thomas Jefferson really like wreaths or something but like I I think that's something that's I feel like has been holding a lot of museums back is that they feel like all of their programs have to relate to the museum like you could just do something simple like wreath making or bouquet making or cooking something and you can even cook something like that like Thomas Jefferson would have made back in like the 17 1800s so I yeah. think that's something that a lot of that's holding a lot of museums back so. you're exactly right and we call it mission adjacent <laughs> so it may not always be mission fulfilling, but it is mission adjacent. You know, it does relate to our mission of education and preservation, more education. Mm -hmm. But you're right. I think that's something that we kind of, especially these more serious institutions, you know, we do tend to get kind of bogged down in either the seriousness or the academic side of things. Whereas a lot of people, I mean, the main reason they go to museums is to have fun or to hang out with people. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, that's why people go to museums. All right, so this is my last question. I okay. think you've pretty much answered everything else. Great, so I appreciate that. Um, just what would you like to see out of digital engagement like in the next few months or years? Do you wanna see it evolve? Do you wanna see it fade out or get better? Like what do you wanna see happen in the next few months or years? Um, I think it's here to stay. And I think there are many benefits to it. And one of the main benefits that I see from our museum is reaching people who can't come to us. So I'd like to, um, I, I'd basically like to continue what we're doing as far as especially reaching teachers and students and um, bring Monticello to more people and more and offer what we have. Um, that's, I think, a really good thing about digital. Um, I think we're going to start seeing more people focusing on site and not as much with digital. People are tired of digital right now. So I think in the immediate future, we may see a little bit of a backlash or a little bit of swinging the other way. But I think now that everybody's realized they can do a lot of stuff from home or from places without traveling, it's not going to go anywhere. So I think I just would like people to, especially when I think about leadership and as someone working kind of in the middle management part of um, a museum, is for people to continue to see digital as a tool and not as an, an end. You know, a, a it's a means to an end. It is not like the end result. Um, we tend to think as like, oh, this new shiny thing, this digital thing, let's buy all this stuff and do all this and you know most of the time you can get done what you want to do using the starting a program with your laptop or your loaner yeah. laptop um i think if you have the solid interpreter interpret interpreters and content using that and using the digital as a tool to get that out there to more people is what i've seen kind of of most value here and I think fun stuff too, having a little more fun, like you said, mm -hmm. for museums to take themselves a little less seriously, I think, and try out some fun things and try, I hate this because it sounds so buzzwordy, but rapid prototyping, um, you know, we talk, That's we what I'm doing right now is prototyping, so. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been, I said rapid prototyping earlier today in a meeting. Um, so I'm, I'm poking fun at myself here, but uh, you, we tend to be in museums very, but we belabor stuff and we think about it and we talk about it and we evaluate it and we don't tend to be as nimble. So I'd like to see museums maybe coming out of this COVID taking some of that like, hey, we can try this. Let's quickly try this in order to try to innovate and, and maybe get some new things going. I completely agree with all of that. I definitely think a lot of museums like we're in a serious time. Don't be serious. Try to have some fun, you know? <laughs> Like exactly. I understand like your institution obviously talks about a lot of serious topics and I definitely don't think we should try to deviate away from that. But we 
do need to have a little bit of fun, you know? We're exactly right. Pandemics aren't fun. <laughs> and our guides do that on site, you know? I mean, and that's what's, what's hard to get across digitally is are the things that make us as humans connect with each other in many ways, you know what I mean? Like, we were talking about this before, you can use humor on a slavery tour. You just have to be appropriate with it. Humor can be a way to, to gain trust of your audience and to make that kind of like camaraderie um, if you use it in a way that's sensitive. And sometimes that's harder digitally. You know, we, we have to work through those things as we think about it, but it's not completely like, we wanna be completely um, serious and reverent about some of the topics, but that doesn't mean that it shouldn't be fun for people too, in some ways, as much as it can be. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, that's really all I have. Did you have any questions for me? Anything else that you wanted? I, yeah, I was gonna say, that's all I had. You've answered pretty much everything I, I needed. Okay, no, that's good. I mean, I'm happy to, happy to help. If you think of anything, you know, feel free to email me or, or reach out again. Um, I'm always happy to help. I'm sorry it was kind of a back and forth with getting it set up. Oh, no, it's totally fine. This is, um, I work at Hershey Park actually in, in Hershey, Pennsylvania, and we opened yeah. this weekend. So I've been working like a lot. So whenever I saw that, that um, Thursday you were available, I was like, oh, please let this day work, please. <laughs> so I'm glad that we made this work. So I'm really glad that I was able to talk to you and uh, interview you. So thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Absolutely, no problem. And good luck with your studies and your, your work here. And I hope it all works out for you. Yeah, thank you. And I hope you guys uh, hopefully get some more traffic and uh, see some improvements in your digital engagement. We're getting them. Um, spring break weeks. This weekend, next week, we've seen a lot of people on site. So 